for actually checking it. Hi guys, welcome to a brand new episode of 343. I'm your host AF, joined today by Jason, Nikita, Wasim, and Mubin. How you guys doing? You guys good? Much better <laughs> than usual <laughs> these days. Much, much better. <laughs> is that because uh, it seems like your club is going to be in different hands, in better hands? No, 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 not at all. I'm not very stoked about that news, to be quite honest with you, but but happy to have two wins on the bounce uh, for the first time in a long time. <laughs> not not really... Uh, oh, it, it's not a good feeling, actually. I'm not used to losing, actually, being a Liverpool fan over, you know, over the last couple of years, but no, good to see that we're making solid strides again, beating two good clubs in a week. Um, so, yeah, feeling a little bit better. Yeah, just, just going back to that Spurs... Uh, victory over the weekend. Um, there were some some iffy moments, like not only in the second half but in the first half as well. Like we spoke in in the group about how Trent Alexander Arnold was getting worked by Sessegnon. Like I mean, like there were so many so many occasions where he just looked lost, and I mean yeah. that's not the look of a player that is hoping to go to the World Cup and be the starting right back for England. Hundred percent. I mean, I just Trent's definitely not himself, and I think, I think what a lot of people have overlooked about Liverpool this season is that, guys, we we played maximum fixtures last year. We were three goals away, and and I say three goals, two goals against Real Madrid, and one Steven Gerrard not, you know, crapping the bed <laughs> against City, goal away, you know, from winning four trophies. I think the team a little bit burnt out over and above the fact that they're really, really freaking old. Um, and I mean, Trent's played in how many Champions League finals at the age of 23? He's played in, yeah. he's won how many trophies? I mean, I think the Oaks just a little bit burnt out. He doesn't know whether he's coming or going. But I also, you know, you also have to give him his due in the sense that, you know, he's running at like 12, 13 kilometers a game. He's expected to basically be on the corner of the of the box at all times, and I think the reason we won that game is because he's got a solid centre-back sitting behind him. So, I mean, I don't think he's expecting to be starting right-back at this stage. I don't know yeah. I, I don't know who Gareth Southgate is expecting to be starting right-back. I don't know if Gareth Southgate is expecting to start a right-back at this stage in, in the World Cup. So, yeah, all interesting permutations. At the moment, when is he going to announce his squad? By the way, anyone have any ideas? I think it's Friday, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like it is so late. Honestly, so late, eh? I thought Brazil yesterday was pretty late, but then I was like, "Geez!" But England hasn't even announced it. I think it's leaving it very, very late for these guys. A a lot of the squads haven't actually released the final squads. I've only seen Brazil in a handful. Yeah, which is weird. Japan. I think what Mexico for me even is the fact that the World Cup's two weeks away and we still got two games for most clubs to still play before you even go to the World Cup. So you have like a week with your guys and that's not even excusing if these England players play against each other and somebody beats the other one or they have. Now you must go into the camp and you must be friends with him again like i don't know man a, a week really like it's shocking and that's that's even so maybe he's waiting for all of those games to be done because what if somebody picks up injury i mean yeah. I, I don't care for, for anybody a week out from the start of the world cup and you've been forced to play a game and then you actually pick up injury that that keeps you out out but honestly i hate that not yeah, even i think that's why a lot of these oaks are picking up injuries right because you don't mm-hmm. go you go in half into a challenge, and that is yeah. also what causes yeah. the injury. Shame, I feel I mean, so bad um, for these guys. I, I, I sent that, that clip into, into our, our group chat um, the other night about Jamie Carragher and Thierry Henry actually speaking about um, the World Cup being at the end of the year, and Jamie Carragher actually brought up a really good point 
um, in the sense that like normally when the season ends uh, mid-May in towards the end of May and the World Cup starts mid-June towards the end of June, um, you have about three weeks before, uh, between the end of the season and the start of the World Cup. If you are injured, then you have that time to like recover or to like at least mm. just your body time to recuperate uh, before the tournament starts. Whereas now you are getting injured and the World Cup starts immediately. Like you leave uh, your club, I think, on the Sunday and you, you head straight to camp the very next day. I mean, there's a reason why Rafael Varane was crying um, when he ended up getting injured a couple of weeks ago because I think he knew right then then that mm. his World Cup is over. And mm. I mean, that's that's the state of... of uh, the World Cup being at the end of the year. Um, Especially the guys that are coming from colder climates. You don't have yeah. an opportunity to acclimatize as well. I mean, you're going, playing in, you know, low, you know, kind of low noughts, almost two, three degrees, and now it's suddenly going to be 40. I mean, you're going to have muscle tears. You're going to have all sorts of nasty things happen to guys in the group stages. Um I think it's inevitable, uh, you know, even if it's in the training, you know, in the first week. I mean, it's, it's going to be a nasty World Cup. And I mean, no one's going to care at FIFA because they're making the money. It's actually yeah. really, really gross and disgusting. But I mean, are we going to watch too. it? Probably. <laughs> of course we are. <laughs> well, we're going to have to because uh, we've got to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's also valid point, Mubin. <laughs> well, we're going to be Conquer watching it. Wasim is going to be experiencing it. Right now, in the stadiums. What a guy. Yeah, it's uh, always been a dream to go and watch the World Cup. And when I experienced it in 2010, um, I was like, that was amazing. And as uh, AF always told me, um, it's an unforget unforgettable month that we had. Um, so to try and go through it again, Albeit at different circumstances, um, different country with you know sweltering weather and stuff, but um, yeah, hoping to enjoy some some good football live and like Ghana, Spain, um, and maybe possibly Brazil. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, the, the study will be in condition, so you. Yeah. You yeah. Should be leaving yeah. us live coverage. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, get some footage for you guys and um, yeah, so the viewers better stay tuned. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, no, Nikita, crazy. off the World Cup, straight into your club. Mm. FSG has put the club up for sale. What are your thoughts? I mean, I'm not entirely sure the club's up for sale. I think, I mean, I think they've, I wouldn't say they've always made it clear. I think there's always been an indication that they would be willing to sell shares in the club. I mean, they've done it before with the Moneyball guy a couple of months ago. You know, we all knew about LeBron getting shares in, in the club uh, for a number of years now. And I think people have, have kind of played that down because it was quite insignificant shareholdings. And I think what this news leak has kind of indicated is that, you know, they, they, they're looking at letting go probably more material parts of the club and I think that probably indicates that they're realizing after the failed Super League that you know the, the kind of fans are probably not going to be as happy that we're not going to be able to compete with the likes of the cities and the Newcastles as much as we would probably like and in order to do so you're going to have to be spending ludicrous amounts of money and in order to do so, you're probably going to need new investment in the club. And whether that's either a bigger kind of um, investor, so giving up more of your shareholding, or whether that's an out-and-out -out sale, which I suspect is probably what they want to do, um, you're going to have to kind of go to market and, and put the club up for sale. I suspect that the fact that it's leaked, um, I said this on Twitter yesterday, um, is that means that there's definitely bidders on the table, very serious bidders who probably put down some money already, indic indicating that they are very serious. They've probably already um, closed on some CPs. Um, that basically just means that they've given an intent to buy um, in business speak. 
Um, so I suspect that we should probably, they should probably announce something, I would say, in the next week or two. Because um, I would assume by the point that, you know, by the point where we are now where they're announcing something that, you know, due diligences have been done, um, et cetera, et cetera. Am I happy? No. Because I don't think that any sort of business or person or consortium that is buying a business for five billion pounds, which is the quoted number, is a business that is or a person that's going to prescribe to the values of Liverpool Football Club. We are a football club that is entrenched in the city, in goodness, in doing things the right way. And we really, as much as people don't think so we really lucked out with fsg you know they've done they haven't been perfect you know they followed our staff initially during covid and we rose up against them and they said sorry 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 and they pulled it back and you know they went ahead and they've you know spearheaded the super league and we said absolutely not a damn and they re they reneged on that and you know they said sorry and we should have thought this through the next set of owners you're going to get are not going to be that way. They're not going to be as considerate to the fan base. Um, they're not going to want to, you know, reinvest in the academy, build the Thorough Academy. Yeah, maybe they're going to want to throw lots of money at Liverpool City and invest in the city the same way that the Mancunians have done at Manchester City. But I don't think they're going to want to do it the right way. And as much as we or I really don't like Saudi oil. Um, yeah, I talk against that a lot at Newcastle at the moment. And the same way uh, at at Manchester City with the Emiratis, I think we're probably going to end up with something similar. Whether it be Chinese money, whether it be somewhere Middle Eastern money, or whether it be another American consortium, we're probably going to end up with something similar. And I'm really not looking forward to that. Um, I'm really like not looking forward to that. I feel like a couple of months ago, the, or I, I don't know, like, I feel like I read something that probably on Twitter, I don't know, um, that there was a, a Chinese state-backed uh, company that had an a, a offer uh, refused uh, at Liverpool. Yes, um, yes, do you, yes. Do you think that that same company could maybe come back now? Or? I mean, I, I can't imagine that there would be that there wouldn't be a number of offers on the table. I think five billion for Liverpool Football Club is an exceptionally attractive asset. If you look at the numbers, if you look at four and a half billion, what Bowley paid for Chelsea, I think Liverpool is a far more attractive asset. If you look at fan base, if you look at revenue, if you look at um, the balance sheet, sorry, I'm not talking real financial speak, but that is my forte. And funnily enough, M&A, uh, Merchants and Acquisitions, is literally what I do for a living. Um, but we have a far healthier balance sheet. We have very little debt on our balance sheet. FSG have done a wonderful job of running the business. It is a very financially healthy business. So I think that if you were looking at $5 billion, you're probably looking at a steal. And for them, they've made 10 times the money because they bought the club for $400 million and they're thinking 10 times the money, it's a steal. And remember, you're getting a, a newly developed main stand, a newly developed um, Anfield Road End. I mean, what more could you ask for? You're basically buying a club that's ready for takeoff. All you've got to yeah. do is is basically take half a billion pounds and revamp that squad, and you got trophies in the bag, and money in the bag for the next decade. And you're competing with the likes of Manchester City, and and Newcastle for for basically TV rights. That that's all it is. Yeah. Um, but. So, yeah, I, I think there's lots of offers. I think there's Dubai, probably. I heard talk, uh, I won't say from who, but I heard a little birdie whispered in my ear today about a Norwegian business that was what was seriously in the in the mix today. Um, so, you so know I what that means, right? You're going to clop out, are you going to Solskjaer in immediately? And that's the thing. And that's what I, also, <laughs> I think people don't realize. Like, I don't think necessarily that Jürgen Klopp is going to fit necessarily fit the profile with the new owners. I don't necessarily think I'm, he's going to it's going to gel. Yeah. I'm not saying that these guys are going to are, are the grim reapers and the worst people on the planet. I'm not saying that they've got bodies buried in their basement, right? But all I'm saying is you can't have your cake and eat it all the time. And if you want the perfect manager, which we have in my opinion, 
you can't necessarily also have the perfect owners, which are the guys with a big checkbook, who are also the guys that also, you know, don't have oil in the backyard, who are also not state-owned. You know, you can't have it all the ways, unfortunately. Such a perfect football club, in my but, opinion, um, doesn't exist. I mean, we, we saw it, it happening with, with Chelsea, with Todd Bowley, like, buying the club. And his first order of business was getting rid of Thomas Tuchel. And, I mean, like, he's a, a seasoned manager. Like, I mean, he's won, like, huge, huge trophies. And this new guy comes in and he's like, okay, no, he doesn't align with what we're trying to accomplish. And then they go ahead and they uh, hire a manager from a mid-table club to try and take them further. So you you aren't really guaranteed, um, like, the, the same manager or like that your manager would or the owner would buy into what the manager is currently doing, uh, yeah. which could always be a worry. That's a big that's a big concern for me. And I don't think all Liverpool fans think like that. I'm I'm and I'm not saying the way I think is, is correct. I'm just saying that's the way my logic works. You know, I'm I'm yeah. very concerned. I'm very unsettled. Like it's the same thing. It's just, the way I liken it is if your company got bought over, the company you were working for for ten years got bought over. How would you feel? You would feel unsettled. It's the same way the people at Twitter felt last week. The company you were working there for 10 years, the company gets bought over by this like billionaire, the richest person on the planet. And then what? You don't know if your job is safe. You don't know if you're going to work there next week. You might get fired with a meme. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's exactly how I felt. You know, your line manager, you, who you love and trust, who's guided you and you know, you know, driven you to great success. Who, in my mind, is Jurgen Klopp, um, and his and his management team suddenly gets the boot next week. How would that make you feel? I mean, that would make me feel terrible. Um, yeah, and that's how I feel. And and that that anxiety is is what is what kills me. So now I'm not feeling good. I really would have felt a lot better if I went off a win against Spurs, Napoli, qualifying. You know, a, a nice little Carabao Cup win hopefully tomorrow night and a win against Saints and knowing that, you know, most of our players are going to be bubble wrapped, have a nice summer holiday somewhere and come back on Boxing Day. Um, but now you got this kind of deal looming over your head. So, yeah, guys, sorry. Not not feeling very good. Yeah, I, was, I was wishing I could give uh, Liverpool fans a little bit more mm. calm. <laughs> I was thinking about it, right? And I mean, you've, you've detailed it so eloquently, but like, is there ever a good time for this to happen? I mean, this is happening at a time where we're getting a World Cup mid-year, or not mid-year, sorry, but mid-season. Mid-year. And now you're having such drastic changes that maybe they come back and, okay, Klopp's office is clean. <laughs> Scorn. And this one didn't have a time to say goodbye to anybody. And there's yeah. a new ownership. There's, and it, it goes into a very weird period because we've got two games, I think, and then the January transfer window open. So then suddenly it's like, okay, if you're going to get a new manager, the new manager is going to want a new guy. If you are saying that these guys, I mean, like you say, they, they're not Grim Reapers. But if it does come that they want this one, this one, this one, and they just go. I don't even think it's that, Jason. I think it might be Klopp saying, I don't like these guys. Or they don't yeah, subscribe even, to my yeah. personal convictions. And you know, for yeah. him, it's about the oak. He, he, he always says, like, I'm never going to sign a play if I know he's a douchebag. You know? Hmm. Like, he yeah. always says that. Like, I'm never going to sign a guy if I know he's not a good guy. There's a reason we didn't sign Yves Basuma. There's a reason yeah. we didn't sign him. There's a yeah. reason Nathaniel Klein no longer plays for Liverpool Football Club. Because they weren't good guys. And yeah. that came out, you know, when we did our due diligence on those guys. And that's why they don't play for the club. So, for me, I worry that the ownership might not morally be right for Klopp and then Klopp might go and Klopp's office as you say might be clean by the time and then mm. you never know we might have Graham Potter come on <laughs> I think he will for or Thomas Tuchel I, I was saying that that sounds like a very nervous laugh <laughs> no it is very I'm very anxious guys. Like when things like this happen I mean Ten years ago, when my club was almost going into administration and was that serious, I mean, Wasim will know what it what it's like because he went through it a couple of months ago. It is anxiety stricken when you think an institution as big as Newcastle or Liverpool Football Club, you think can literally it's going to be a flipping poster on your wall. 
right? Yeah. And this is maybe not that, right? It's maybe not that because, you know, but it, it's the other option. It's the other, it's the worst. It's the worst option because, you know, we live in a world where morally now is the right, is the time to make the right call. And mm. where you are at a point in your life where you know, the right call must be made now morally and your and your club and institution might be going the wrong way it's it's tough it's really tough but we'll see hopefully fsg will i don't know fsg will make the right call i mean ultimately they'll take takes you know the most money and um but we'll see uh we'll see i mean we'll we'll see after christmas maybe we'll get a nice christmas present okay best of luck to you guys Hope it all works out. Uh, but moving on to a team that, yeah, it's it's been their best run for a couple of seasons now. Like they going to be ending uh, the, the 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 break now before the World Cup break in the top four, on top of the log most likely. And that's I mean Jason's already wearing his Arsenal gear. Yeah, he's ready for it. Uh, yeah, in in Arteta, we trust, eh? Yo, let me tell you guys. This process eh, that I've been trusting in, it's been very tiresome. Um, but also, in all fairness, I thought you were going to lead to actually with him because isn't this their best start as well <laughs> in a few years? Yes. And they could that's, why, that's why I coupled yeah. it with top of the log. Oh, okay. No, no. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. That's I thought they were still going to get there. Um, yeah, it's, it's good, man. It's really... It's such a weird feeling because... I haven't had this feeling for so long. Like, I would go into games knowing, okay, this team is going to do something and we're going to self-sabotage and we're going to lose. And not even 15 minutes later, there'll be memes about my club and I will literally have the same giggle that Nikita had there, you know. It's like, yeah, everything will be okay. Meanwhile, put my phone down, cry into my pillow. Um, It really is a breath of fresh air. I think there's something more tangible about tangible about what Arteta's been doing um, now with these results and yeah there's a newfound like resilience I think Arsenal have been known in this last few years as just being a bantering club and just somebody that's going to be battered all the time and it's just easy and I think we've sort of gotten a bit more stronger in that essence uh, in that vein that's, that's nice and okay things aren't 100% good all the time but i think it's good for most of the time which is good for me um so yeah man it's nice it's good to watch and not be the banter club of the premier league which for some reason was so weird for me because there were teams doing worse than us but everybody was just arsenal's the banter also but come on guys no man <laughs> um so yeah it feels good whether we'll be able to maintain it is a different thing but I'm going to enjoy it while it's lasting now and we'll see next season. Maybe we can give a sustained challenge. Nikita, what was that phrase? No, no, no. I was just saying, I think it's excellent. Just enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. I don't think it will be maintained. <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah, look, I, we, <laughs> are paper thin. We, we are paper thin at yeah. this moment in time yeah, no. and it's good and it's fine now, but this is a very pivotal time in our yeah. season and we're gonna go in a four week. No, I, I mean, and that's why I say just enjoy it. You're playing exceptional football. I watch your games week in, week out, not because I want to or because any other reason other than it is an enjoyable football match to watch. You know, it's literally I I don't get I get more enjoyment watching Arsenal football club play a match of football than I do Manchester City because the football is enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and. I think that is something that you should recall in, regardless of whether you finish first, second, or third. I, I can't imagine Six. you finish anywhere than that. I can't imagine. I can't imagine you guys slipping yeah. further than that, Jason. You should really enjoy it because, and this is what I said. I swear to God, I said this a year ago, guys, on this podcast. Arteta has a plan. Stick with it. You can see he's making a consistent change in this team. There is definitely something coming. And we're seeing yeah. the benefits of it today. You know, yeah. whether I think you'll win the league, I don't think so. 
I don't think so. I think City are just as strong. They've got like for like on the bench and a B team and a C team and God knows what else. And in the transfer kit of half a billion in January, transfer window if they need to go and reinforce. But I mean, enjoy it. It's fantastic yeah. for what you've had to invest for. Arteta as a young coach, Martin Odegaard as a 20, goodness knows what. Messi has been reject playing in midfield. It's fantastic. Yeah. Xhaka reborn again two Renate times Xhaka. over ex-captain. Saliba, the most gorgeous goatee I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean... Did you mention Martin 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 Martin? Martin? I did not mention yeah. Martinelli yet. Uh, and I was getting to I was getting to Gabby Martinelli. I mean, geez, there's just so many G's in that team. Gabby yeah. at the back and Gabby in the middle. I mean, I would kill. I would literally take Harvey Elliott, cut him in half in quarters, and then serve him up on a platter to take Gabby Martinelli. He is fabulous. I so thoroughly enjoy watching Arsenal Football Club, and that's not for me sitting in God knows what eight or ninth or wherever I am. But it is such an enjoyment. Enjoy it. Enjoy it, Jason. It is just exquisite. It's so nice to see a plan come together, you know. Honestly, and like I said, wherever it ends, yeah, it was a dream. It was a dream. I think it's it's nice, right? Because we we obviously missed out, and in a way that was very banter worthy. We were we were literally going good, and then we just threw it away. Um, It's nice now to actually see that there's a continuation on from what we showed in bits and parts to having it a bit more consistently. Um, and I think our, our aim this season was just to get Champions League, get it back to the carpet, bring it back to Emirates. Also, so I can free up my Thursday nights for at least a bit. Maybe if we finish third, maybe we come back to Thursday night, but at least we started on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. Because the Lord knows, Thursday nights at 10 o'clock, I should be in bed because I have work the next day. And it's Friday, I already don't want to work, and then I'm still watch the game at like 10 o'clock. We're playing against like a Zurich or, I mean, no, no disrespect to them, but yeah, or like a sheriff, somebody that plays as a railway next to the stadium, and you can watch the game from your window. <laughs> your, nah, man. As a colleague of mine said, at least you get to see, at least you guys get to see all of Europe. <laughs> Yeah, no, 100%, man. These guys' visas are probably stacked with places that they never thought they would go to. Um, so, yeah, it, it really is, like Nikita says, it's just an enjoyment at the stage. And, yeah, if we can string a good run of form together and actually run City close, I, I, I literally don't mind it. But for us, I think top four is should be a must. And if we get that, whether it's four, three, two, or if eventually one, from my words to God's ear, um, then okay, then that's that's what needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, no, I like remember before the season started, we all did our bit of predictions, and mm. I don't think anybody besides Jason actually like called Arsenal in the top four. So yeah, like guys sticking by his team, and I, I hope for your sake that you guys actually stay there and. Yeah, man. I mean, like Arsenal is like a study club, and I mean, yeah. like you need to see them back up and challenging again. Um, but a, a new club that is currently in the top four as well. Uh, we see him is rocking this jersey quite nicely here. Uh, are you, you are you on cloud nine over there? Like, what what is happening? This must be the best you felt in a in a very long time. Definitely is. Um... Yeah, it's been amazing. And I think it's almost similar to Jason in that Jason was hoping that Arsenal would be top four and he's getting a bonus that they top and whatever happens, um, if they do win the league, it would be amazing and it's uh, a dream, you know. But uh, it's still well beyond these expectations for the season. So the same for, for us. I was hoping top eight, um, if you could sneak a seventh and get the um, confidence league position, I would have been happy with that. But um, the way we're playing, the way we are getting results, like Sunday we didn't play too well against Southampton, but we won 4-1. And it's like yeah. crazy. Um, so I think it's just been like a, a joyful ride. And I'm trying to 
just uh, enjoy it as much as I can um, and ride the wave um, because, you know, it, it, I don't know if it's going to last the whole season. It might, it might not. Um, similar to Arsenal, again, our squad is also fairly thin, you know, a couple of injuries up front and, um, it's, it, you know, you don't know where the goals are going to come from again. So uh, it's very exciting and um, I think credit to Eddie for the way he's galvanized the team and the way he's improved players um, and the way the persons or the players that he's brought in the character that they've shown, like Bruno and Trippier, they've brought quality, but they've also brought that winning mentality and that never-say-die attitude, and that's wrapped up on everybody else. So, really amazing to see. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, like, they're speaking about, like, Bruno Gimares, um this season. But, I mean, Miguel Almiron, man, jeez. I don't think anybody yeah, could expect yeah. the, the type of season he's going to have. That, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a Newcastle fan. I thought that he would be sold in the summer because we, there was rumours that we were looking for a right winger and um, we were you know, looking at Musa Diaby and, and there were you know, rumours that we are going to get a new right winger. So I automatically thought Almiron spent the end of last season in the team as the right winger. He doesn't score that many goals and he didn't up until last season. So I thought, OK, he's going to be the one to go. We'll get an upgrade on him and it will all be good. Um, and then he ended up staying, and then he had an amazing preseason where he scored like he was a top scorer in preseason. And then everyone thought, okay, it's preseason, you know, everybody's um, does well in preseason, but it means nothing. The games and the results don't mean anything. But he's just used that as a springboard, and his confidence is like next level. And he's, he's trying things like last week he tried a shot, um, one, two touch, and it was a shot outside the box, and it just flew into the corner. And I was like, wow, like last season. You'd have open polls and you would prefer to pass because you didn't want to take the responsibility of taking a shot and missing. Um, whereas now he's trying audacious things and it's just going in. And yeah, I think it's it's credit to you because his attitude has always been, you know, um, excellent. And you can never fault him for putting in hard work, pressing, you know, running till the 95th minute um, and, and doing those things that, you know, please the crowd. But ultimately, he's an attacker and that he was judged on goals and assists. And this season, he's, he's you know, top of the chart for us in that regard. So, yeah, it's amazing. And again, you, you couldn't imagine it, but um, I think it's also shown that what Eddie always done is he's told players that you just put in the effort and, 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 and work hard at your game. And if you do well enough, you're not going to be dropped. And it doesn't matter if the club is aiming for top four or ambitious things. You can be part of it if you show that right mentality and come on doing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, another person as well, like you just mentioned now, Eddie Howe. Like, I mean, initially everybody thought he was going to be sort of a stopgap manager, like a stepping stone for Newcastle to go from this to basically a, a, a higher level manager. But like nobody expected him to be working like his magic in this way so so quickly um wh what are your thoughts on on how well he's done uh since he's came, came in yeah i think that's that's exactly it he's also taken taken it as an opportunity to say look we are when he took over we were 19th or 20th in the league and he said that look i've got an opportunity to take this club forward okay they've spent 200 million which is a, a big sum of money but if you look at it properly, like the way is every single player that's been in the squad. Jacob Murphy scored um, a couple of weeks ago, and I was like um, saying last season, I don't want to see this guy in a Newcastle shirt because he's just not good enough. But this season, we are in the top three, and he started at the weekend. So it's like he's just worked on, doesn't matter you know who he is in the squad, he's just worked on improving each player in the training ground, and I think that intensity that he works with in the training ground, which not all managers do. Some managers, you know, they sort of just go through training to get to the weekend where they can, you know, pick their team and play the, the game. Whereas he uses the training um, ground and the week that he has, because there's no European, for us, uh, no European football for us. So he uses that week to really work on players, get them better at certain things, you know, strengthen the, the, the weaknesses so that it's not, you know, as bad. And it's just yeah, amazing to see what he's done. And I always, yeah, I also thought he was going to be a, a manager just to sort of get us to, to Europe. But then after that, 
um, you know, he'll be relieved of his duties and then someone bigger will come in. But the way he's going, it's like he can, free, I would like to keep him for as long as possible because he seems to be the right guy and the right personality to, to get the best out of anyone, whether it's a Brazilian international like Bruno or if it's a local guy like Jacob Murphy. So, yeah, amazing and well done to him. Uh, 100%. Uh, you guys have any other, any thoughts you want to contribute on, on the Newcastle topic before we move on? Um, there's, there's a question from a fan for him in your top right-hand side. Uh, I can't see it at the moment. I'm watching uh, from my phone, so if you want to read it to me, I don't mind answering. <laughs> no, it was just on the Almiron topic. I was just saying that I thought it was... I mean, I really think he's done so well and I thought it was quite poignant how even Bruno was telling the fans to vote for him for play of the month because he's that even though Bruno was nominated, <laughs> he was saying please vote for Almiron because he's had such an incredible month. Um I just thought that was well firstly Bruno is an awesome guy. Um yeah. but yes, so man, he's had an exceptional season so far. Long may continue. Except against us, thanks. <laughs> that, what you mentioned uh, is the team spirit that we have. Like Bruno, Trippier, and, and Almiron were nominated for Player of the Month for October. And generally, like, you know, international from Brazil coming into the league, it's his first year. He'd be very happy just to be nominated. Um, so you'd want, you know, to get as many votes. But the team spirit that we have, it's like everyone is like, it's not just about me, it's about the team, it's about the mm. fans. It's about... So. It's like, I don't know how they've done, but it's just everyone seems to be giving more than what they are capable of generally. And it's the sum of the parts, um, you know, that's, that's rubbing off on everyone. And, um, so I, I was amazed when I read that message of Bruno saying, I'm, vote, uh, I'm nominated, but don't vote for me. Uh, me uh, Miguel Almaron is living his dream, scoring every week, and um, let him win the play of the month because he deserves it. And I was like, wow, that's humility. Of, of, yeah, it's just amazing. But it's 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 also just uh, like I mean like Nikita had mentioned this is this institution right New Newcastle literally I was you you were saying that when you started you had said no you you thought top eight maybe sneak top seven I mean yeah top seven maybe get to Conference League but when's the last time Newcastle's actually been within European football and actually trying to grasp that way it's actually something that's a real like possibility owing very much to the fact that not a lot of teams are very consistent this season it seems like there's very it literally, it's changing in that, uh, what's it, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's literally going around there, nine, ten, even. Um, and yeah, that would be, it would be like massive if Newcastle, even if it's not a conference league, even if it's a Europa, or if it is conference league, it's it's European football back again. And yeah, it, it's also what, what Nikita said with Jurgen Klopp, where he's somebody that's bought into the philosophy that New, uh, that like Liverpool had. And actually sewed into the city. I think I see Eddie Howe almost in a similar vein. Um, he seems like really such an upstanding guy. And I mean, even when he's at Bournemouth, what he was able to do with Bournemouth with the little that he had, it's nice to see him now being rewarded with a team that can go big if they really want to, but he's also choosing to use what he's got. And if it gets to a point where, okay, this is my, not my ceiling with these guys, but this is where I can take them and I need to reinforce. It's nice to know that he's actually back to actually go on because all we see is this merry-go-round of, of coaches and it's not only in the EPR. I see it so much in uh, in our uh, local league, PSL. These coaches, eh, they'll start here, yeah, then they go there and you're like, you're so surprised because not even a week ago you saw maybe Pizzo coaching Sundowns and I coaching Chiefs. I mean, that's not the real thing, but literally that's how it's going. So... It's really good to see Eddie Howe doing something good. And yeah, like like Nikita said for, for Arsenal, long way to continue for Newcastle as well. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just happy that you guys go into the, the World Cup break in the top four. I think that is secured now, right? Um yes. whether United win or not, like you guys will uh secure that top four spot uh, either way. So that's 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 great, great stuff for you and I hope you guys have uh, a great season, like further. But now, speaking about Manchester United, Ubin, complacency—is that what it is? 
No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I don't know if you can remember on the last episode when we had Hassan. I said that we just don't have the killer touch in in the final third, and we drastically in need of a proper number nine. I think that is a problem at the moment. So we can't, you know, we we can't score goals when we get to the box or just from outside the box. Um, creativity in there, it's we're very flat. Um, I don't think it's complacency at all. I think there are a number of guys in the team that are playing now, that are playing for the shirt, uh, for the club. Um, I just think up front we, we just lack ideas, we lack a, num- a proper out-and-out out number nine. That is my take. But, I mean, the goals that were conceded uh, over the weekend that showed some frailties at the back still. Yes, Lisandro Martinez has been amazing for us this season. Arguably, arguably our, our best signing of the of, of the summer. Um, but I mean, we've been unlucky with Rafael Varane getting injured. But I mean, we have Victor Lindelof there who has played a couple of games before, and I mean, his partnership with Lisandro hasn't been that bad. But it just it just seemed that they seemed off the pace this past weekend. They underestimated the Villa players. I'm not, I'm not sure why. Uh, Jason mentioned that uh, in, in the group chat as well, there was a manager bounce, which, fair, like, manager bounces happen, but, I mean, the, our defenders just looked, like, well off the pace. Dilo, he, he looked uh, a different player to what he's been the past couple of matches as well. Um, so, yes, I agree that we, we need a new number nine, but, I mean, our defenders weren't doing us any favours either. Uh, I don't know what what your your takes are on on our defence. No, I, I mean to an extent I agree. Um, I think I think Villa came at us from basically from when the game started, and you know we we sort of never recovered. Um, look, Lindelof probably had an off off day off um, along with the other guys. Um, but I mean, if you look at the goals, one one was a free kick, the other two probably defensive errors. Um, and that's, I'm not uh, saying, you know, it's uh, a fault of, of Lindelof, but um, Martinez had been playing a lot with Ferran since until he got injured. So they were sort of starting to gel, form the, the partnership. So a guy like Lindelof coming in, hasn't played much football prior to to uh, Varane's injury. Maybe it's just a case of them still needing to get used to each, used to each other in that partnership. Um, but again, you know that shouldn't be happening at at the level that these guys are playing. Um, yeah, look, I, I suppose it can happen. Um, I'm not in in any way disappointed. I think we're still playing much better football than we have the past five, six, seven seasons. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what your, yeah, your take is on it. No, like, look, um, I mean, Jason spoke earlier about, like, Arteta's process and stuff. And, I mean, in that first season, it was brutal for Arsenal fans. I mean, they, there were so many Arteta outcalls. I mean, Piers Morgan was doing that until about, what, five, six months ago. We finally started to get onto the Arteta trusting the process and whatever. Um, but, I mean, it, it took a while for them to get from there. How much was that? What about, like, three years since Arteta's been manager? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it should be three years now, yeah. No, yeah, so, I mean, and, and the, the, the board backed him. They, they stood by him. No matter how many fans uh, or part of the fan bases were, were calling for his head, and I mean, they 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 reaping the fruits now uh, from like what what he was trying to implement from the very beginning. And I mean, we saw in that all or nothing documentary as well. Like, I mean, the guy's very knowledgeable. Like, he, he knew what he was doing. Um, it was just about like getting player buy in and getting his his message across and everything um, to to finally get everybody on the same page as him. And I mean, this is I mean, Eric Ten Hag is what six months into the job now. It's not going to happen overnight. It's, there's going to be a lot of rough times ahead. 
Um, I mean, he's he's got a, like what five six players in. Um, there's going to be many more windows where he's going to get people in, and a lot of people that's still going to be kicked out. Um, as as hurtful as it is to say for me, I think Danny Van der Beek is is Danzies at United. Uh, okay, tear running down my cheek here. <laughs> I really wanted it to work out for him. Uh, but yeah, like it's there's there's going to be a lot of casualties, but like anything that will ensure that the, the the club finally moves forward and we finally get back to where we are supposed to be. Um, yeah, I'm I'm back in the manager, and if if he wants to sell somebody like David Daya as well, like that's been our savior this entire season. Like fair fair enough. Like so be it. Like I'll. Whatever, whatever he decides, uh, if it's going to take Manchester United back to the top, I'm, I'm all ears. Yeah, agree. It really has to be. Uh, it's, it's not going to be an easy process, and I think both of our clubs came out of a period where we had one manager for so long, while other teams were chopping and changing, and we had these guys who were the titans of the game at that period of time. You know, they... They really change English football and it's not going to be a process where it can just be like a season. And I think we've paid the brunt as fans because we, we had to go through. I mean, obviously the, the Arsenal club or Man United club as a whole have going through changes. But we as the fans obviously watch it. We we take time out of our day and we watch it. And these guys, you know, they it's crazy what one game can do to you a whole weekend or your mood, or your week, or something like that. And there, there'll be more of those games. And that's just things that you actually can't explain, like like Mubin's trying to say, you know, there's this, there's that. But it's actually, it's like, there were times where you guys looked like you could score, and there were times where you defended well, but you conceded goals, and you also didn't score. So it's like, it's going to happen, and there'll, there'll be games where you're sitting and watching, like, Yo, that should have happened because last game that literally happened and we actually finished it. And it happens, man. It's it's just something that, that has to go. And I think even Nikita had it in, in Klopp's first few seasons where it was exciting, man. <laughs> you know, for for us watching 5-4 against Norwich. Come on, man. Like Norwich. Klopp breaking his glasses that game. Like it has to be like that. It it has to be where your defense is bad. But you can start score teams. It, it will be like that. It's yeah, and it's it's gonna take time, but it, it will eventually get there. That's what I I feel. I mean, if it continues, I'm in a relationship with a United fan, so it's gonna be a bit harder for me. But it's okay. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. So like I hear you. There, like for, the frustration for me is like I mean, if you go to the um, Europa League game on Thursday, mm. you know. We need that second goal to avoid the Barcelona qualification now. Um, mm. We don't have anyone else on the bench yeah. to come up and grab that goal for us. We sent on Harry Maguire. So we go back five seasons, six seasons to when we sent on uh, Fellaini, play route one. So that's what that's what I'm trying to get at. Is that yeah. no, 100%. there are glimpses of what we can achieve, you know, if if uh, Tenag gets the time and, and he gets to rebuild the squad over time. We've seen those glimpses of, of what United can do to teams. Yeah. But as it stands now, like, if, I mean, January, if we don't get a number nine, it's going to be a tough uh, uh, run into the end of the season, particularly if we're going to uh, need to end in the top four to to qualify for Europe or for Champions I think, League. I think if I can also come in there, um, one of the things that I've noticed, um, or the things that I've noticed is that Tinag seems to have a process. He has a, a style of play that he wants to, um, you know, uh, get across to the team. And they've sort of been doing that already with their passing and with the way they've been playing. Um, but with the same with Arteta and the same with now with Idia, is they need time, they need transfer windows, they don't need, um, you know, one transfer window doesn't fix everything. So he brought in certain players, but now the, what I feel um, United will do is they will learn from these mistakes. So they will learn from games like Villa 
where perhaps um, Lindelof isn't good enough to be the backup centre-back. So maybe the next window they'll try and get a new centre-back. Or he's been talking a lot in the media about getting the lot, um, the lot to, um, to have another uh, right-back with him so that he can alternate. Because now you've got Europa games, you've got Premier League games, and with the congested fixture, this, um, guys are playing every week, every game. So um, I think what it highlights is that you don't have the squad yet to compete where you want to be. But if you keep with the manager and you follow his process and you have more time in terms of transfer windows coming up now and another one in the season, um, you will get there eventually. And I think with United, you can see that there's already been a vast difference from seasons gone by. It's not going to be perfect at, at the moment. But last season, Arsenal lost um, big games at, um, against Spurs, you know, away, and they really sort of caved in. And um, and but look at him now. So I think if you follow the process, trust the process, you've got the right man who can get you there. But he just needs more time, and uh, unfortunately, he hasn't yet obviously had that. So I think give him time, you'll get there. Yeah, no, definitely. I am fully behind him, and. Hopefully, it, it works out for me. What's it like? Fifth time lucky since Sir Alex died? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Could be, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have to come right sometime, eventually. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, if nobody else has anything else to, to say, uh, then we can wrap it up. Um, yeah, that is all that we have today for 343. Uh, just a reminder that we are going to be covering the World Cup as well. Uh, we'll probably have like a, 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 a sort of a recap round, um, a recap show after every round. Uh, I think what that will be that will be every like five days or something. Uh, I don't know. We're working out the logistics of it, but yeah, we will be covering the World Cup, uh, and uh, yeah, we hope to see you guys there. Uh, before I sign off. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SportyCast. Uh, yeah, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button. Um, yeah, we appreciate we, we appreciate everybody. Uh, anybody has any last thoughts before we sign off? Man All from good? me, man. Bring on the Caribou Cup. <laughs> oh my God, that's Aston Villa again for us. Damn. Yeah. Uh, Good evening. <laughs> hopefully that hopefully that manager bounce is done. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah but yeah. Or something. <laughs> Thanks, Nikita, Wasim, Mubin, and Jason for showing up once more. You guys are always awesome. I'm AF4343. And I'm out of here.